Psalm, Psalm number 17. Psalm number 17. Thank, thank you, Jesus, for this warm weather. Jesus' name. Psalm 17, we're going to start reading in verse number 6. If you have it, say amen. Okay, let's look at this. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou, that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee for those that rise up against them. Look at verse number eight. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. Keep me as the apple of the eye. And that's what I want to talk about for a few moments here this morning. The apple of his eye. God bless you. You may be seated here today. I need just a little bit more monitor, Mr. Soundman. Um, I, don't, I don't normally do this, but I think we need to give it up for the sound man up there. <laughs> Testing, one, two, three. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. There are so many biblical and grammatical for lack of a better term interpretational tools that are inserted in the word of God that probably would be better suited for a bible study to to talk about them there's you have homiletics is the preparation of the word of God either preaching teaching bible study so forth. Hermeneutics is interpretation. And then you have textual criticism, which is where not interpretation, but translation. There's a big difference between interpretation and translation, but they definitely cross paths. They run parallel. And a lot of times they're concurrent. They run together um, on the same track. But with textual criticism, there, there are a lot of things that are built into the Word of God to help us understand what God is trying to say. One of the things and we're not talking about things that are placed by interpreters or by commentators. We are talking about things that are placed in holy writ by God himself. And one of these things is that God uses anthropomorphic. Okay, now that's a big word. I'm not trying to prove I'm smart. Um... It's, it's, it's a real word, and it really means something. And something that is anthropomorphic simply means, some of you that, are, that understand Greek words and how words are built and constructed, you understand anthro is talking about man. And something that is morphed is something that changes, anthropomorphic. Well, there are places in the Bible where God uses particular Examples and illustrations that are anthropomorphic in nature, which simply means that a God that is infinite, a God that is eternal, a God that has no known limitations, oftentimes uses things to reveal certain characteristics about himself. For example, um, the Bible talks about the hand of the Lord. 
and it talks about sitting at the right hand of God. And in virtually multiplied areas, it talks about the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was upon him, and the hand of the Lord was with Israel, and God stretched forth his hand. God does not really have a hand, but he uses an illustration that we're familiar with to reveal something about himself. And that is called anthropomorphic. Even Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter number 12, he talked about the finger of God when he talked about the devil being cast out of a man's life. And so once again, whenever you see this, whenever, and there's, there's other one, you're talking to God basically throughout the word of God is using these to talk about certain aspects. When he talks about, for example, we talked about the hand of the Lord. It means, it means that God is able to reach. It talks about God's ear. And that is so people that never understood Hollywood never understood social media, didn't know what a phone was. They were under the most preeminent mode of communication known to man, and it was called the oral tradition. The oral tradition was basically the tradition that went um, from word of mouth. And it was the way in which the incredible promises, the incredible events, the incredible miracles the incredible things that God had done for his people was perpetuated to unending generations. It's, it's, this 20th century stuff is, I'm not gonna say it's a new cart, but I'm gonna say that we need to be careful. We need to think this stuff through, through because you cannot outdo God's medium of trans information, and now in the New Testament, it's preaching, it's teaching, it's giving your testimony, it's witnessing, it's Bible study, in which the word of God is going forth, and it's communicating to other human beings. Thank God for live stream, but we built this church without live stream. And all you people that are watching, I hope you're not offended by that, it's nothing against you personally, but I'm gonna tell you, we don't need live stream to have revival. We, we've got, we've got, We've got stuff on Facebook, we've got YouTube, we've got um, Instagram, we've got all kinds of stuff. I don't, even, I don't even know how to use all this stuff. But I'm gonna tell you, we do not need that to have 21st century revival. And so God has chosen to use certain illustrations to reveal something about himself. Another example that is definitely anthropomorphic is talking about God's eyes. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnisapient. He's all-wise. He, he's omnipresent. That's different from being ubiquitous. There is a difference between being omnipresent and ubiquitous. Omnipresent means he is everywhere at the same time. Ubiquitous means that he is in a, a different degree in somewhere else that he would be in another place. For example, John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world, meaning that the world, this ball of mud that you and I are on today and we're moving. We're actually moving on this ball of mud, but the thing that keeps everything from flying around is called gravity, and it is a miracle of God. But there is no other planet that the James Webb telescope can find that is habitable. That's because God's attention is not five billion light years from here. It's on planet Earth. God is, is interested in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is interested in you. I know you don't think that. But that's the truth nonetheless. We are a special planet that has special inhabitants Call it a testing ground for eternity. 
which is why what you do here has eternal consequences. That's why when you were watching around here, some of you probably walked in here and said, man, when are they going to bring the snakes out? Uh, no, this is not one of those kind of churches. No, we don't have to handle snakes to prove that we are God's people. But what you saw around here is you saw a supernatural liberation that only comes to people that are filled with the Holy Ghost. You're not looking at people that were on drugs last night. You're not looking at people that just stumbled out of the bar. You're not looking at people that are irresponsibly living their lives. You're looking at people that God called out of that, that called out of off of a bar stool and, and pulled out of a cocaine habit and pulled out, come on somebody, same-sex attraction, but now God has liberated them by the power and the authority of an almighty God. So what you've seen around here, you can't find it in a baseball game. You can't find it with a rap star. You can't find it in a Taylor Swift concert, but it's found in the power and the demonstration of a liberating God. Clap your hands and give him praise. So God uses other illustrations beyond just the hand God uses his eye. In Genesis chapter 6, verse number 8, it says this, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Does God really have physical eyes? No. But God sees all, knows all. 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. I don't want to, this is a rabbit trail, but I just, I just want to stop long enough because, listen, I remember my very first visit to an apostolic church. It was, it was, a, it was synonymous. It was a duplicate. It was a replication of what we've experienced here already today. And when I walked in, I, I didn't know what it was. I, I thought, who are these people? What are they doing? They're acting strange. They're acting a lot different than the United Methodist Church that I was raised in. I have no idea what you're, what's going on. What's going on around here is you have people that are living. Everybody said lifestyle. No, everybody said lifestyle. They are living a certain way unto God. And when they come together in unity and they're in one mind and one accord, and then suddenly, this is very biblical what is going on here today. This is a, this is a duplication and a replication of what happened on the day of Pentecost is when people come together in one mind and one accord and they begin to call on the name of Jesus. God is not in some lofty position that says, well, I have no involvement with flesh and blood. God says, they may not want me over there at the ball game, but I've got a congregation over there when I'm gonna show myself mighty. They may not want me over there with all the Harley Davidson riders, but I'm gonna go to that church and show myself mighty. They may not want me where people stayed all night so they could get a good seat at the concert. They may not want the living God there, but God says, that's okay. I've got a few people. And, and he said in Deuteronomy chapter 7, I didn't choose Israel because you were the biggest. I chose you because you were the fewest among the people, but you wanted me. You love oh, somebody, clap your hand. I am not ashamed. I am not afraid. This is for everybody. There's room for you, but we are not going to deny the greatness of God. there's a lot of things that you don't know. I know this is baffling, and this is beyond Generation X. It's beyond Generation Z. It is the generation of information, and people think because there's AI and supercomputers, and I got a cell phone, I've got a smartphone, I've got a laptop, a computer, that I should be able to access any information that I want. Okay. Okay. But there's some information that is hidden in this world that can only be found in certain places. And while you can get a guy that comes in here that may have more degrees than Albert Einstein, one touch of the Holy Ghost, and he'll say, I've never felt that before. 
I have no idea what that is, but I want it. And then you just have some, some old gray-haired saint that's weathered many supernatural battles and lived faithfully for God and, and, and opens up her Bible and brings it to, a, to a, a weathered page. And she says, sir, it's right here. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of people that are going to miss out on salvation because of the simplicity of Christ. It's so simple because it goes on a level that man cannot go without God's help. Let's look at Psalm 34 and 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Proverbs 15 and 2. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Man, is that my scripture? I'm sorry, I probably gave you the wrong one right there. Let's look at 1 Peter 3 and 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. I think you got the point. I think you got the point that in God illustrating to people that had a very elementary understanding about God. I'm not saying that they were stupid. I'm not saying that they were, they were simple. I'm just saying that this is how God revealed himself through the ages, was not through his smartphone, but using anthropomorphic terms, people that were seeking God and people that were living for God could understand his character and his attributes. And so we see the eyes of the Lord see everything. And ladies and gentlemen, God sees you today. In fact, God is always looking. You know, it's rude to stare at people. Man, in our day and age, you can't even stare at somebody at a stop sign. I remember one guy here a few years ago. Um, I had a real cheap stereo in my, my car. I've never had one of these souped-up deals with speakers in the trunk that rattle everything, including the hubcaps, that you feel it before you hear it. And... That's kind of what happened is I had the windows down and I was playing some gospel song. It was, it was a choir song. And a guy pulled up right next to me and he turned his music up and I thought, I can do that too. The difference between his and mine when you turn mine up, the speakers were already real crackly and blown so it sounded horrible. I just wanted the devil to let I just wanted to let the devil know you ain't gonna outdo me. Your your voice ain't gonna outdo my voice. That's why I was praising God. How many laps did you run? For those that have been counting, I ran four and a quarter. The last one I cheated. I walked right down here. Why do you do that, Pastor? You're almost 70 years old. You shouldn't have to do that. I ain't doing this for you. I'm letting the devil know the hell you put me on Monday, you ain't stealing my praise. The hell you tried to put on me on Tuesday, you ain't stealing my praise. The hell you put on me on Thursday, you ain't stealing my victory. When we come together, then God responds and it filled all the house in which they were sitting. Clap your hands and give God the praise. That didn't come out of the Reformation. The Reformation is missed the word of God by a zillion miles. You got to go all the way back to the beginning. So God, his eyes, he's trying to reveal something about his omnipresent. He sees everybody. He sees everything. God is watching you today. God is watching to see how you will respond today, what your thought processes are, your deduction. God overlooks a lot because he understands where we're at. He understands the spiritual influences that are in our lives that molded us and shaped us. God is watching everything. 
But I found something else that even goes before, beyond the anthropomorphism of these incredible usages of illustrations that God uses. And I found a scripture where he's not using both eyes. He's using one eye. This particular passage of scripture in our text, Psalm 17, is saying that that I am the apple of his eye. More anthropomorphism. But the, what that really means is is that means that God has an object that is highly favored. It means that God has singled out. Notice, notice the usage here of the words. The eyes of the Lord are over the whole, to and fro over the whole world. But when it comes to somebody in particular, not just 8 billion people, but when it just comes to one situation, one person, one group, it is called the apple of his eye. And that is a idiomatic, it's not only anthropomorphic, it's, it's an idiom. It's an idiom that appears several times in scripture that talks about that God has is focused on one particular individual. Maybe it's over here, over here, over there, over here. God knows everything, so God knows. But there are people that stick out. There is an individual that sticks out. And I find it interesting that it says, the apple of thine eye. Because the usage of the word apple is something that's highly favored this might lend a little credibility why it started the notion that the fruit in which Eve was deceived to ponder, when you see most artists' rendition, it's an apple. Because fresh fruit, in particular an apple, was something that was greatly sought out. God says, I'm not looking at the pears. I'm not looking at the figs. I'm not looking at the fruit of the vine. There's an apple. There's one that I'm focused on. And that is found in certain places throughout the word of God. And somebody said, pray for In Zechariah chapter 2 and verse number 8, it says this. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations, which spoiled you. For he that touches you toucheth the apple of his eye. Now that is incredible. Zechariah was a minor prophet against the backdrop of Babylonian captivity and Babylonian influence. God is still reminding the nation of Israel that you are the apple of my eye and whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy chapter number 32, verses nine and 10 says, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. And somebody said, praise the Lord. You and I as individuals. Now you're probably sitting here today and say, pastor, and I understand all this. I understand. Listen, we are living at the end of this. And, and Satan and demonic forces are doing everything they can to rem if they can't remove you from this environment, they will keep you from obtaining or receiving everything that God has for you in this environment. 
uh, the, Satan is trying to isolate people. He's trying to separate people. He's trying to get people splintered off of what God is doing. But let me tell you, you need to be in the church. You need to stay with the church. You and I are going to be called out of here together. We are the apple of his eye. You are someone special to God. I, I just need to preach here for a little bit. I don't care what the voices say about you. I don't care what the devil says about you. I don't care what the opinion of Madison Avenue is about you. I don't care what Hollywood networking and advertisement says about you. You are the apple of his eye. Let's clap our hands and give God great praise. He the apple of his eye. What does God see when he sees me? What does God see when he sees you? It's quiet. Needs to get quiet. I'm concerned about what God thinks when he sees me. I mean, like, that's a big deal to me. And I know it's a big deal to everybody here. There's an old, old song that says he looked beyond my faults and he saw my need. Why don't we just lift our hands and just... He looked beyond my faults. He did, wasn't looking at my inconsistencies. He wasn't looking at my unfaithfulness. He wasn't looking at my the bitterness that jades every decision and every word that comes out of me but he saw the need. Man, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. My heart goes out to people that it's, it's obvious that they're caught up in the net, the invisible net of gaining their, their, their value and their view of themselves from the world, from the damned and the doomed. My heart goes out to people that are so caught in that that they will, they will they'll, they'll bring about damaging, life-altering changes to their, their personhood just because of how somebody else perceives them. It, 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 you can tell when a person does certain things to themselves, you can tell exactly who they're interested in. They're not interested in what God thinks about them, and I'm not, this is not a condemning analysis. I, you and I have seen this. You, you see the same things I do, but you can, you can tell when a person is doing modifications to their body or, or things or whatever, you fill in the blank. But, but you can tell that they're not really interested in what God thinks. They're not interested in what a godly mother and father think. They're not interested with the church. They don't have no idea what they're doing. Their value, their identity is totally based on what the world sees them to be. I have come to break that wide open by the power of the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what this world says about you. You are the apple of his eye. And what we need to pray today is, God, I want to see myself like you see myself. That's where the real value is. That's where the eternal power is. Is when you begin to make choices and operating your life on things that are timeless instead of things that are transitory and 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 and. Like, like Esau, just give it to me now. You know, I, I want it now. I want the payoff now. I don't care about that. I don't care about the birthright. I don't care about the blessing. You are the apple 
of his eye. It is amazing in scripture to me when God revealed how he saw an individual, it is absolutely so far beyond what the devil is saying about a person. And that's why it's so important, church, that you pray in the Holy Ghost. Because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you experience redemptive lift. If, if, if you don't have a prayer life and you don't call on the name of the Lord, you're always looking down. You're always, your, your view is always on, on things that are down. It's things that are depressed and things that are negative. Well, I'm going to tell you, there is something that is right there in front of you that is available to you every day of your life, and it's to call on the name of Jesus. And when you begin to pray in the Spirit, you start experiencing redemptive lift, and you come up out of the negativity. You come up out of the depression. You come up out of the hardship. You come up out of what everybody else thinks about you, and now you're walking how God things about you and you can square your shoulders and hold your head up and say I made a, might have made my mistakes but I'm going to live for God because this is a God that sees good in me. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Oftentimes a pastor like myself I can see things in a person's life that I realize that that person does not see themselves. And oftentimes that can create conflict because they don't, not only do they not see what I see, but they're not feeling what I'm feeling. And oftentimes their value system is different than the value system from where this, where this personal evaluation comes from in the spirit. And, 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 and oftentimes when God does that for a leader or a pastor, he begins to shape the direction of a particular message or teach in a certain vein or pray in a certain way that God can bring that place, that person into a crucible where it becomes a personal revelation that you are not a loser, you're a champion. But it's not what I think, it's how God sees you. You are not what your parents said you are, you're what Jesus Christ said you are. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Oh, I'm going to keep chipping away at this until I can break you out of your self-imposed prison, thinking that people in the world have got an advantage on people in the church, and being cool is greater than being saved. No, my brother and my sister, to walk with the power of the Almighty God is something that human beings have sought for for thousands of years. Clap your hands and give him praise in this house. Let's exalt him. Come on, somebody praise him. Abram. He's just minding his own business. But God has to start somewhere. Because there has to be a people that bring forth a redeemer for the rest of the world. So he's got to start with one man. Abram, I see you to be the father of many nations. And this is, I, I'm going to tell you, when you're in a genuine apostolic church, where there is genuine movement, a dynamic move of the Holy Ghost. You are going to receive these kind of messages, not from me. You're going to be getting data from the Spirit where God, in this type of environment where God is going to invade the negativity that you walked in here with. And God's saying that negativity is not going to be the dominating factor. I am the dominating factor in this place, which is why, church, we did a phenomenal job here today worshiping God and praising God and setting this atmosphere and this tone to where God can and finally get in to a crypt, a dark place, and finally announce to a person, you were never made to mark your body. You were never made to run with the world. You were never made to fit in. You belong to me. You were never made just to fit in. You were never made just to be a number in a crowd. You were made to be part of a promise of an invisible God on this little ball of mud. Clap your hand and give God the, if that ever becomes a revelation to you, you'll be unstoppable. You'll be uncontainable. You'll be irrepre or irreplaceable. 
value system does not come from Chase Manhattan Bank. The value system does not come from Fort Knox. The value system does not come from a, a runway from New York City in Paris. The value system comes from the house of the living God where there's all manner of that. Come on, somebody. Before it's all over in this entire region, God's going to bring in raw material and through the power of the Spirit of God and the power of the gospel, transform their lives. never going to get what God has for them because they're too impatient. Smartphones and the internet and AI have programmed people to get whatever they want right now. I can't wait. And if they do have to wait, there's all these phobias and compulsive habits that they've attached to their life that are completely signaled from being anxious. God wants to deliver you today to where you can walk in another kingdom and that kind of stuff doesn't even touch you anymore because you're operating on a totally different spiritual wavelength. Whew. The apple of his eye. Abram, I see you to be the father of many nations. Okay. It's just my wife and I, I'm 75. We're not spring chickens. We don't have any kids, but you're telling me to go, so I'm going to go. And after he left, he got another promise. Look up. Look out. It's going to be like the sand of the seashore, the stars for multitude. And the more that Abraham obeyed, the more the bigger the promise became. That's why one person that will walk in truth is the apple. When God scans the whole world, it's not just pff, baseball stadium, pff, rap star concert, pff, car show. Pff. You fill in your own blank. But just one. Just one. Gideon! God, can't you see? I'm trying to make something out of this little bit of meal I got that the Midians didn't get. Gideon, what? You're a mighty man of valor. Me? Man, I'm just a slob doing my job. You show up and start messing with me. God doesn't see you according to your failures. Oh, I'm going to preach before we get out of here today because God came to liberate some people. In the 21st century, we ain't got time for some little Christian daycare for people. we got to have the power of an almighty God that can come down and absolute take the shackles off of your heart. You don't need a 12-step recovery program. You need the baptism of fire in the name of Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. Come on, somebody shout and give God the praise. If you've been liberated and you know who you are, give him a shout. If you're trying to figure it out because you're living in two worlds, let God convince you today. Man, this apple of his eye stuff has benefits. Here a couple years ago, they told me, they said, you, you've got to go down to Sacred Hospital. You're experiencing a medical emergency. And I thought, well, why didn't you send me to the Valley Hospital? It's 15 miles closer. Am I the only one that was, would think that kind of a thought? Dude, if I'm having a medical emergency, why don't I just dial 911? Why are you telling me to drive 20 minutes downtown? I could die in 20 minutes. It wasn't a medical emergency. I, my wife and I sat in that hospital or that, listen, if you don't have anything to do on a Saturday night and you need to feel real special that you've been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, go and sit 
in the waiting room at Sacred Heart Hospital. Honey, before it's over, you're going to be saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'm going to run the aisles tomorrow. I'm going, to, I'm going to give God praise. We, we, that's the attitude we ought to have. We ought to be thanking God that we're breathing. We ought to thank God that that automobile accident. We ought to be thanking God that they didn't take your house. We ought to be thanking God that they We got more to thank him about than we realize. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Somebody give him glory. He let you live. How can you just sit there? When you realize that God said, no, not that one, not that one, not that one, we sat, my wife and I sat, Brother David, let me come over and preach to you. Maybe I'll preach to Brother Jordan. Brother Jordan did such a good job. Didn't they do a phenomenal job today? Usually Brother David says that, but I'm going to say that. Listen, my wife and I sat in this, in this waiting room for eight hours. sitting right in front of us in a, in a, in a wheelchair. And I'm not, I'm not ridiculing people in a wheelchair, but he was, they had him strapped in. He was drug-induced, doing this. Ah! And I'm sitting here going, man, I ain't got no problems. I'm the apple of his eye. Well, they told me to come down here. Honey, I ain't got no problem that my God can't fix. In the name of Jesus, touch me. I felt like laying on hands of everybody in that waiting room. I believe before it's over that we're going to have such an apostolic power and an apostolic authority that you can walk in into a waiting room and change that entire environment. Finally, eight hours later, they said, Mr. Mayo, come on here in the back. I said, all right. Doctor came in and said, well, we took some tests, and we're still trying to find out if we're going to keep you here. And I thought to myself, you ain't keeping me here. I ain't staying in this place. He said, well, we need to run another test, and as soon as we get the results, I'll let you know. I closed my eyes. I've never been back in that part of the hospital in my life. I've never been in the, in the waiting room of Sacred Heart Hospital as a patient in the entire time I've been here in Spokane. And so I'm on this, this bed, and I'm laying like this, and I'm waiting for some kind of answer to find out if they're going to want to do something to me. And the Holy Ghost! Because I was the apple of his eye. God said, you won't be staying here. Almost before that could be vaporized and synthesized into nothing, the doctor came in and says, well, looks like you're going home tonight. I thought, I already knew that. You're the apple of God's eye. Pastor, something's going on. Have you prayed? No, I need you to pray. Why don't you pray? I mean, I'll pray with you, but you got to do your own praying too. Pastor, I need you to do my praying for me. And while you're at it, throw in the three-day fast. Honey, pass the rolls. What? I ain't doing your fasting for you. I mean, I'll fast with you. I'll pray with you. I'm trying to be a good fat, a pastor. But you got to understand, when you get in those type of situations, all you got to do is close your eyes and say, God, I don't really want to be here. God said, you're special to me. I'll snap my fingers and change this whole thing. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. The apple, the focus, you're his favorite. You're one among 10,000 because you believed and obeyed a gospel that maybe your own family didn't agree with. Maybe your neighbors didn't agree with. Maybe your upbringing didn't agree with. But you saw it as truth Abram was changed 
by how God saw him. Gideon, mighty man of valor. I know we've already visited him, but I'm getting older, so I'm going to act like I never went there, which will prove to you he's getting older. No, I knew that I was already here, but I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. Gideon would have been a person living in the shadows, the son of an idolater, except that God saw him. God didn't see that he could throw a football. God didn't see that he could hit a baseball. God didn't see that he could be in an MMA cage. God didn't see that he... God said, I see you to be something according to what I want to do. See, this messes with a lot of parents' deal. Oh, I just want my little Johnny to throw a football. And we'll glorify God in the stands. Why not let him be a missionary to nowhere and turn his world upside down and have the heavenly hosts sing unto God? Because a lot of parents want to live vicariously through their children and gain some kind of reward from the kid. Take your hands off that kid and get him in Bible quizzing and let God turn him into a pastor or turn him into a prophet. Mighty man of valor. I've never even used a sword before. How God sees a person completely revolutionized the remainder of their history in the Word of God. Samson was a deliverer. I know he was a lot of other things, but he showed up in Hebrews chapter 11. Rahab was a, pro was a, um, a prostitute. But she ended up in Hebrews chapter 11 because she sided with God's people. Saul was a man that resisted truth and hated the church. But God saw him to be an apostle to kings, nations, and to Gentiles. What does God see when he sees you today? Does it matter? It matters to me. I believe it does matter to you. But oftentimes, people can get into things in their lives where they give up hope. I want to tell you in this end time, the Bible says where sin does abound, sin is growing, the love of many shall wax cold, and sin is growing, evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, and sin is growing everywhere. God's not going to be outdone by any of that. Where sun does abound, grace says, I'm going to be bigger than you. You just keep getting bigger, and grace just keeps getting bigger. You are not going to have an excuse not to be what God wants you to be. Well, you know, Pastor, I, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, that's the right attitude because you're not supposed to be able to do this. When I came to Spokane, Washington, and we looked around, I thought, man, I think I'm in the wrong place. God, God said, no, you just stay put. You just stay right on location. And I want you to look around here today. This isn't what we did. This is what God did because God saw that we could do this. God. Sometimes people, they get, they make mistakes. And they think, Pastor, I made the mistake. And now I'll just be a second class citizen. I don't know what kind of Pentecostal environment that you were raised in that propagated that. But I'm going to blow that out of the water today. God uses damaged people. God uses damaged people. I just love the Apostle Paul. I'm the cheapest of all apostles. All right. Before it was all over, he said, I'm the least of all saints and the chiefest of all sinners. He went from way up here to saying there ain't nobody going to be lower than me because I used to be against this. I was stupid. I used to be against this, talked about it, persecuted it, broke up families, used all my strength, all my purpose, all my power 
to bring havoc against the church. And it, when his lights finally came on, he said, the apple of God's eye. Sometimes it's amazing to me. But God, we have to give God these opportunities to get glory. But typically, that's not it. If we were thinking that way, we'd let it happen. But typically, our thinking gets messed up. Our thinking becomes discombobulated. We think, all right, this is cool. I'm doing this. This is cool. I'm going there. This is cool. I'm going here. Go to Luke chapter 15. But there came, there came a time where there had to be a deeper evaluation. And we are designed by God that being able to have deeper reflection and deeper evaluation is, a, is an evidence, one of the fingerprints of God in our lives. That we, are, we have the ability to, to, to think on a level. I'm telling you, God allows that because that self-comprehension is, is, is a step towards repentance. And when he came to himself, when he finally got away from the nonsense of the prostitutes and the parties and fitting in with a far country, God allowed him to think, to review, to reflect. I wasn't made for this. I wasn't made for a pig pen. Now I'm now I'm 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 right next to unclean things and I'm in an unclean environment. I, I wasn't raised in this and I, I I was never exposed to this and th this isn't what I was made for. But he started to reflect. And that reflection is allowed by God because it becomes a change of direction. And ladies and gentlemen, direction is more important than perfection. You can be sitting here today saying, I am so perfect, my holiness is on the floor. No, it's not. That is self-righteousness. But that reflection that now has brought about a change of direction. Go to the next verse, please. And I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I've made a mistake. Made a lot of mistakes, but let me just wrap it up by saying I'm no more worthy to be called the apple of your eye. I'm not worthy to be the apple of your eye. Just, 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 just let me live in the bunkhouse with the servants. I ain't got no right to live, have my own bedroom, and I've got no right a certain place at the table, and I've got no right to have any, any type of claim on this. Next verse. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. The apple of his eye. God didn't make him crawl. I want to tell you, there are so many wicked, evil voices that follow this truth. And the closer you get to truth, the more that these become counterfeit, try to keep you from understanding and comprehending really how good this is. But don't you know that there were voices that were yelling and screaming that jumped off of unclean people and jumped on to this filthy, haggard form of humanity that has now come out of the, the pit and out of the dirt and out of the filth and out of the sin and out of the world. This is amazing, ladies and gentlemen. This is God using anthropomorphic illustration of being a person. His father saw him, had compassion, and ran. 
if you can just come to the point of enough reflection to understand that I've messed up, God said, I'll meet you halfway. You don't even, you don't even have to go the whole way because I want to be with you. I want to, I want to, I want my arms around you. I want, I want to, I want to cleanse you. I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. I want to put you back together because you're the apple of my eye. God doesn't do that for just everybody. He'll leave the older son, leave the servants, leave the ranch, leave the farm because he's ubiquitous, his attention has got to be focused. He left the farm and ran to the apple of his eye. There are people under the sound of my voice that God made sure that you would be here today. I stayed in my office after our class yesterday, I was in my office virtually for hours seeking direction, seeking direction, seeking direction. And God spoke to me and said, you'll have it by service tomorrow. At 8.30 this morning, God gave me this. You are the apple of his eye. Me? I'm just a person. I don't fit in. I don't. I'm not good looking, I'm not intelligent, I'm not, I don't have a lot of stuff. That is the biggest mistake that you can make is to place your value on what the world has told you that you are. Let's stand. Pastor, it's just so hard for me to believe. I understand. We have a tendency to echo and replay all the hurtful things that were ever done to us, typically by our, our parents and our siblings, that has a tendency to set a trajectory for the rest of our lives that limits us. Let's lift our hands. And let's just love a God. Come on, Peter. How God saw Peter changed the entire story of the remainder of biblical fulfillment. Well, pastor, I'm hurting. Leave me alone. No, 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 no. No, I know you're hurting. But you got to let God do what only God can do because he sees your future. You're the apple of his eye. God would have never rested. God would have never rested. Let's lift our hands. Come on. After a service like this, there's not going to be a huge pull from the pulpit. The word of God has already spoken. But the level of disbelief in something so glorious and so good and so grand is so prevalent. I rebuke every lying voice by the authority of the name of a glorious and great God who views you as the apple of his eye. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him all over the building. Everything's been preparatory for this moment. Let God wrap his arms around you. Let God put a robe of royalty on you. Let God put a ring of authority on your hand. Let God put different shoes that are made for walking on high places. This altar is open. Pastor, you have no idea that the devil's tried to get me to walk away and tried to get me to leave and tried to get me to sabotage my victory and corrupt myself. This altar's open. Come. Come. Let the goodness 
of an invisible God. When I couldn't see you, Jesus. Come on, let's come and find a place to pray. Come on, Cornerstone. You saw me. Let's find somebody to pray with. That one view from heaven. Heaven's point of view can change the trajectory of the remainder of their life. You saw me. Somebody under the sound of my voice that's been tossed and turned. Devil's trying to get you to throw in the towel and walk away from your ticket out of here. But God said, no, 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 no. 